actually been over a month at this point um <clears throat> if you're here live or you're watching the uh vodcast on youtube um you can see the the reason of why i've been a little mia is because we moved um so yeah so obviously with packing up our old place and then the move itself and then getting settled in here um Definitely took a lot, took a lot of time, took a lot of energy, uh, but we're here. I got the setup now and we are good to go. Um, so yeah, we're back. Um, I apologize for being absent for a while, um, but I wanted to make sure I had enough energy and, uh, you know, wherewithal to, to podcast and get back into it. Um, and, you know, it's pretty ironic I say that because I got my first COVID vaccine shot today. Uh, so I'm probably going to pass out in bed as soon as I finish recording this and we finish doing this. Um, but that being said, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. And we have a great show in store for you guys today. Um, just a quick little rundown. We're going to do some... Uh, NBA updates. Um, we're going to do a new segment that I came up with uh, called The Feed, which I will explain, explain once we get there. And then later on in the show, we have uh, Hunter Glotz, Stats McGlotz, good friend of the show, um, is going to be joining us to talk about the European Super League. And then if we have some time at the end, I may open a uh, pack of NBA cards live on the stream as a special little treat for all of us. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, um, I guess we can just go ahead and hop right into it. So some NBA updates, um, some of these are a little bit old just because it has been over a month since, uh, we last had, uh, an episode and there was just a few, uh, things that I did want to cover, um, that are a little outdated, but are still kind of in effect, I guess you could say now. Um, but we're going to start with, uh, the MVP race. Um, it's obviously heating up as there's, um, teams have about around, I think the average is 15 games left in the regular season. And we're about a month out from the postseason, the playoffs starting for the NBA, uh, which is pretty crazy to say that we're that close to the postseason, And it feels like we still were just, excuse me. We were just in the bubble, finishing up the uh, finals, <clears throat> and that was in October, so not that long ago, and we were already pretty close now to the playoffs, but um, yeah, so the MVP race is obviously heating up, and it, it's been an interesting race kind of throughout the entire season, really. Um, we haven't covered it a ton here on the show, um, but you know, look for pretty much the first half. I would say, 
uh, or first like 40% of the season. <clears throat> kind of looked like Embiid was running away with it. Uh, I think he was pretty much the consensus. Um, it was a pretty close race, but then towards the halfway mark, he started to kind of pull away with it. Uh, then unfortunately he went down with an injury and missed some time. So then, um, LeBron basically took over the reins of the MVP race and it looked like he was the consensus. Again, it was a tight race, but looked like he was kind of the favorite to win it. And then he went down with an injury. Um, and so now since then, uh, which that was about probably a month and a half ago, a month ago. Uh, since then, it's kind of just been all Nikola Jokic, um, and it seems at this point now that he is the consensus. Um, again, a tight race, but he's kind of uh, up the up top there uh, as the front runner. Um, <clears throat> as of yesterday, his stat line for the season is twenty six points, eleven rebounds, nine assists. Um, averages uh, a 31.5 PER and 12.8 wind shares. Um, and again, those are some advanced statistics. So if you're not familiar, I do like to go over some advanced statistics on the show just because that is kind of my, my MO. It's my, uh, my guilty pleasure is statistics. Um, <clears throat> so PER is the player efficiency rating. And essentially it takes a bunch of different statistics from players. You know, it takes not only just like box score stuff like points, rebounds, assists, but it also factors in minutes per game, uh, their field goal percentage, their effective field goal percentage. Um, and it kind of all ties it into this one uh, statistic that basically measures their efficiency, um, such as that the average, like so an average NBA player, their PER is going to be 15. And so Jokic is at 31.5 right now, um, which is very high. Uh, I'll put that, put it that way. So again, so 15 is going to be your average players. Uh, 20 is going to be above average. 25 is going to be your superstars. And then anyone above 30 is pretty much going to be like, those are the people in MVP contention. Um, so typically whoever wins MVP, um, their PER is going to be over 30, uh, at least in, in the modern era. Um, um, so yeah, so Jokic is at 31.5. I believe Giannis is over 30 as well. Um, I think LeBron may be close to 30, depending on just like with his injuries and time he's missed. Um, it may go, may, may not be quite at 30, but uh, and then win shares is basically, uh, and again, it's an advanced statistic to basically try to measure how many wins that a specific player has contributed to for their team. So, for instance, right now the Nuggets, um, <clears throat> I believe they have 44 or 45 wins on the season right now. So let's say they have 45 wins on the season. This statistic is basically saying that the Nuggets won. 12.8 of those games on average uh, because of Jokic. So if he wasn't playing in those games, those 12.8 games, 13, we'll round it up, 13 games, they would have lost if it weren't for him, essentially. So that's what that statistic means. Um, so yeah, so an incredible stat line, very, very efficient and, you know, almost averaging a triple-double. Um, as a big man is uh, 
just spectacular. Um, you know, if you are even remotely familiar with the NBA over the past five years, you know who Jokic is. You know he's one of the best passing big men we've literally ever seen in NBA history. Um, and he's just having a stellar year. Um, and yeah, so at this point, he's the front runner. But, you know, as of recently, uh, especially the past like week to 10 days, Steph Curry has been making a huge push for himself. Um, right now, his averages, again, as of yesterday, are at 31 points, six rebounds, six assists per game. He's leading the league in scoring. Um, he's at 26.9 PER, and he is at 7.5 win shares on the season. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, you know, a better score than Jokic, scoring more points, not as many rebounds or assists as PR, and his win shares are lower. Again, it's not all about statistics. Uh, I know that I like to focus on statistics on this show, but uh, I always like to, you know, reiterate that statistics is not the only measurement for uh, skill or awards or anything like that in the NBA or in sports in general. Um, that's just one thing I like to really look at because I just find it really interesting. Um, and I like kind of having tangible, measurable stuff to go along with kind of your gut feelings. Um, so yeah, so Steph Curry making a huge push. I mean, over his last like five or six games, he's averaging like 45 points, shooting like 55% from three. He has like more three-pointers made than like seven or eight teams in that span. Um, <clears throat> so he's going on an absolute tear right now himself. I still think that ultimately Jokic has a better case for MVP because as history shows with the MVP award in the NBA, um, wins definitely count for a lot. And having said that, the Nuggets have a better record uh, than the Warriors. They're eight and a half games ahead of the Warriors. They're the fourth seed right now, and the Warriors, I believe, are either the ninth or the tenth seed. So the Nuggets are fighting for home court advantage in the playoffs, and the Warriors are fighting for the play-in game uh, of the playoffs. So there, there's definitely a little bit of disparity there in terms of team record. Um, so obviously that's something to that I think gets considered um, because, you know, obviously bringing your team to win more games is a factor for being the most valuable player. But again, you don't want to overemphasize it because one thing with, you know, the Nuggets is they're just a better team than the Warriors. Obviously, Jokic plays a big part in that, but, you know, Steph Curry is playing without... Clay Thompson this entire season. Um, Draymond Green has been in and out uh, due to injuries and COVID. Wiseman is now out for the year, um, and he's been dealing with injuries all season. Um, so, you know, the Warriors have had their fair share of issues, but the only reason they're in playoff contention is because of Curry. But then Jokic, you know, they've had Jamal Murray. Obviously, at this point now, we're going to touch on that uh, in a little bit, actually after this. Uh, he is now out for the year with an ACL tear, but he, they had him for the first, you know, two thirds of the season and he's a big, big player for them. Um, so he's been healthy for them. They made the trade recently for Aaron Gordon, uh, who is another big player for them to have. Um, so, you know, it, it's tough, but at the end of the day, I still think right now, Jokic is my MVP. I think the only 
real threat to Jokic winning it is Embiid playing out the rest of the season. So he's back now and he's healthy. Um, I don't remember how many games he missed. I know it was definitely over 10. I think it's close to 15 for the season because he missed a handful at the beginning too. So if he plays the way he was playing pre-injury every single game for the rest of the regular season, I think he could surpass Jokic and win MVP. Um, I think that would make the race really, really tight. Um, But if he misses any more time or kind of his production slumps a little bit and Jokic stays on the path that he's at, I think Jokic, uh, it's his MVP to lose there at this point, at that point. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's been, obviously, you know, it's been really rough with the injuries this year in the NBA, but silver lining, very thin silver lining because you never want anyone to get injured. but silver lining, it's been a really, really tight and fun MVP race. Um, you know, again, I I don't want to make light of or, you know, try to find good or happiness in someone's injury. But at the end of the day, it has been kind of good in that sense for the NBA that it's just, it's been a uh, really tight and up and down uh, MVP race throughout the entire season. So yeah, at the end of the day, Jokic is my front runner. But so speaking of the injuries um, and the Nuggets, Jamal Murray, uh, I believe it was early last week, um, tore his ACL in a game and he is now out for the season and the postseason. Um, That is a huge blow for the Nuggets because before he went down, I think the Nuggets were definitely... Um, in title contention. Um, I think they were a favorite to come out of the West and they had a very real chance of um, not only making it to the finals, but winning the finals too, uh, if they were able to stay healthy and continue to play the way they were, especially with that Aaron Gordon trade. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you have to th- consider all the factors. So like one of them is that the Lakers at this point are still without Anthony Davis and LeBron James, although supposedly um, Anthony Davis is coming back and will be playing in tomorrow night's game, um, which will which, which be big for the Lakers because they've definitely been in a little bit of a slump. They have a losing record since LeBron went down with his injury. Um, they still have the number one defense in the NBA since he went down, so that's encouraging for Lakers fans. Um, but they do have a losing record then since then, and they have fallen from the number two seed to, I believe right now they're the five seed. Um, so yeah, cause I believe it's jazz one Suns two, um, Clippers three nuggets four, Lakers five. Um, and then who's six. I can't remember who six is. Um, Seven is the uh, the Mavs, and eight is the Grizzlies. Um, and then I think nine is the Spurs, ten is the Warriors, last I checked. Anyways, um, so Jamal Murray going down for the year is a huge, huge blow for them because he's definitely their number two guy and their number two option. Um, he and Jokic have really great chemistry. They're a really great duo. We saw the magic they were able to work in the bubble in the postseason last year. Um, 
And that I think could have carried them far, especially because we don't know when LeBron will be back. Um, and we don't know just how healthy he and LeBron, he and Anthony Davis will be. Obviously, if they both come back and they're healthy for the playoffs, I think that immediately makes the Lakers the favorite again. But, um, you know, not a lot of people in the league can guard Nikola Jokic. Um, especially that's why I think they were title favorites, because if they were able to make it out of the West, um, I think the only real threat to guard him would be Antetokounmpo on the Bucks, but I don't think the Bucks have what it takes to make it out of the East past the Nets. Um, that being said, the Nets, I don't think have any chance of guarding Jokic because I mean, you'd have to stick either Deandre Jordan or Blake Griffin on him. And I don't see either of them being able to keep up with him or be, you know, good enough wing defenders or, or down low. I just don't see that working in their favor. So big blow for the nuggets. Um, at this point, I don't, I haven't heard any news of them signing anyone to kind of replace Murray um, in the starting lineup. I know Austin Rivers was uh, rumored to be signed to them, uh, but that's going to be a big blow for them. They're still the number four seed as of right now, you know, a, a week after that injury. So they're still going to hold their own because then they have Jokic, and I think that also will help his MVP case because now he's going to have to shoulder a little bit more uh, with Murray out, and so his production is only going to go up. Um, and I think that's only going to help his case for MVP, especially if he's able to keep them in the top four in the West. Um, that'll be a, a really strong case for him for MVP. Um, but that kind of draws on a, a larger topic of just injuries in the NBA this season. Um, and I think that you can't ignore that the truncated, compacted, compressed season is definitely a big factor in that. I don't want to say that's the only reason, uh, but you cannot say that that's not a big factor in it. Um, you have a lot of back-to-backs happening this year. Uh, a lot of players are not, teams uh, are not getting enough rest in between games. I mean, for instance, at one point in the season, I believe it was the Heat played, I think, 27 games in 51 days or something like that. Um, which is just absolutely ridiculous uh, of a schedule to play, especially coming off of a elongated season, prior season, and truncated significantly off season. Um, you know, you had someone like LeBron James who had just played at 150 percent to take the Lakers to a championship and win it in uh, in in five games. Um, and that ended in October, and then to turn around, and then barely two months later, which felt like a week and a half later, um, he's back on the court again, starting off a regular season that's going to be less rest time, um, you know, less time to, to practice and relax in the offseason, and then you're right back into it, and then you have to play in an all-star game, which none of them wanted to do, and then you go right into the playoffs again. Um, and that's why you see someone like LeBron, who has never missed an extended period of time like this. For I mean, I guess he did two years ago. He missed a little bit of time with that hammy that he pulled. But uh, that was also kind of just the season was kind of lost for the Lakers. So he kind of took his time with that. Um, and obviously, you have to think of extenuating factors like the fact that he's 36 now. So 
he just naturally is going to be a little bit more prone to injuries. Granted, he is LeBron James, and he literally hasn't looked like he's been slowing down at all in his career. Um, so, you know, still a surprise, though, for LeBron James to be out this long with injury, um, with that ankle injury that he had. Anthony Davis has been out and missed extended time. Um, Murray is out for the year. LaMelo Ball was thought to be out for the year. I'll, I'll talk to, touch on that in a little bit. Um, Clay Thompson is out for the year. I mean, granted, that happened, uh, you know, two seasons ago at this point. But um, Durant has missed a lot of time this season. Harden has missed some time. Kyrie Irving has missed some time. Um, you know, there's just been a lot of players who have missed extended periods of time, and it feels like it's been more than usual this season. And again, you have to consider extenuating factors like Anthony Davis is just naturally an injury prone person. Um, you know, LeBron James is getting older. He's approaching 40. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Durant is 57 pounds and seven feet tall. And, uh, you know, he was coming off of an Achilles tear. So, you know, but the truncated season is a big part of that. And I think the NBA should definitely take note of this and try to never repeat this kind of a season again. <laughs> um, because I think a lot of people would kind of have the opinion that this season never should have really happened. Um, for so many different reasons. Uh, and I won't really go into that cause I kind of have gone into that a lot on this show. Um, and I don't need to, to bore you all with that again, but you know, there's just a lot of different reasons this season maybe should not have happened. And I think the player's safety definitely is a big one. Um, and so something to consider that when they do truncate a season, because we do have to remember that there's also, they're playing less games. They're playing 10 less games. So they're playing 72 instead of 82 in the regular season. Um, but you know, I think they need to, when they're in a situation like this again, hopefully they never are. They need to not only truncate the season, but also keep it the same length though, and allow more rest, um, in between games, because you can't have players and teams doing back to backs or, you know, every other day games throughout an entire season consistently. That's just they're going to be exhausted. They're going to be worn out. They're not going to be playing at hundred percent. They're going to be much more prone to injury. And it's just going to then overall, um, dampen the, the, the product, which is unfortunate for everyone involved. So that being said, let's talk about Lamel ball for a second here. Um, news coming out yesterday that uh, LaMelo has been cleared for to start basketball activities and could be back on the court as early as next week uh, after initially being ruled out for the remainder of the entire season and postseason with a fractured wrist. So very, very good news for LaMelo Ball, Hornets fans, um, NBA fans all together. Uh, he was a, you know, a, a bright spot in the season this year, uh, an outstanding rookie who um, was proving a lot of people wrong and silencing a lot of critics, um, having a really great season, leading the Hornets to playoff contention right now. I think they are the number five seed currently in the East. Um, and yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago at this point, he went down with a fractured wrist, got a second opinion, 
And um, at that point, the diagnosis was, it's a fractured wrist, you're done for the year. Um, and so not only did that mean that the Hornets' playoff hopes were in jeopardy, but also LaMelo Ball's hopes of winning uh, Rookie of the Year were in jeopardy. Now, at this point, since he's been out, um, Anthony Edwards has taken over as the favorite uh, for Rookie of the Year, uh, especially with Wiseman going down and Halliburton not producing quite at the level or honestly having an, as nearly as much flash as Anthony Edwards. Um, and so it's kind of been his, his award to lose at this point. Um, but with Lombella Ball potentially coming back next week, I mean, who knows what could happen? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing in the rule book of the NBA that says in order to win rookie of the year or MVP, as we've mentioned with injuries there as well. But for this specific example, there's nothing in the rule book that says in order to win rookie of the year, you need to play, you know, 85% of your team's regular season games. There's just no rule about it. Um, and that was also a hot topic a few years ago. Um, when Joel Embiid was in his rookie year and he missed significant amount of time with injury, um, but was very clearly the top performing rookie. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that works out for LaMelo Ball. Um, I don't know at the end of the day how many games he will have missed because at this point we still don't know when he's going to come back. But um, if he's able to come back relatively soon um, and you know, get back to where he was playing at that production level he was at before he went down and lead his team to stay in the playoffs. I think he has a very real chance of, of getting his rookie of the year uh, odds back uh, and winning that award because it really was just kind of a one man race before he went down. Because again, a great season, I think he's averaging 15, six and six on the year. Um, bringing the Hornets back into relevance again. They're one of the most fun teams to watch this year because they're just a young, exciting team. Um, <clears throat> Edwards is an exciting player to watch. He's very flashy, uh, very athletic, but the Timberwolves, he hasn't done anything to improve them as a team. Uh, they're still a garbage team um, that at this point is going nowhere, and unfortunately he hasn't really contributed to them moving up at all in the standings. So... Again, it's kind of like the MVP where with the rookie of the year, where it's like, well, I mean, you know, you got to do something to kind of help your team. That's definitely going to boost your your reputation there for that. Um, but yeah, so that'll be interesting to to kind of uh, kind of stay tuned to and see see what happens there with that. Um, and then the last update here in regards to the NBA, um, I believe it was announced on Monday. Maybe it was Sunday. I can't remember, but it was earlier this week. Uh, Zion Williamson is officially going to be getting his own uh, Jordan signature shoe, which is awesome. So congratulations to Zion on that. Uh, he will now be only the fourth active NBA player to have their own signature shoe under the Jordan brand, joining um, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and our favorite Chris Paul. Um, so huge congratulations to him. That is a big accomplishment, a big feat. Um, he is having an outstanding, outstanding year um, in New Orleans. Again, unfortunately, 
New Orleans, not in playoff contention, not really looking too good. Um, but he's looking spectacular. He's in the top 10 for scoring this season. Um, he's got to be in the top 10, if not top five, I think for field goal percentage, he's wildly efficient, uh, in the paint. Um, a great player only ever looks like he's just improving and getting better. Um, so that's just really exciting to watch him play, but now to also see him get his own signature Jordan shoe, um, in only his second year in the NBA, sky's the limit for this guy. I'm really excited to be watching him. So, um, yeah, congratulations to him. That's big news that I just wanted to kind of hit um, and kind of touch on real quick. Um, all right, so what time is it? I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to do this next segment, um, the feed, the new segment. So you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer. Um, because we have our guest who's going to be joining us pretty soon here, so I don't want to keep him waiting. So we are now going to be joined by um, Hunter Glotz, also known on the show as Stats McGlotz, um, a friend of the show, and um, we're going to be talking some soccer. So as some of you may or may not know, there's this thing called the European Super League that was formed over the weekend. Um, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because I want to let him kind of handle it because he's kind of our resident soccer expert. Um, and I definitely want to get his thoughts and opinions um, on it and just kind of discuss it with him to kind of fill you guys in a little bit more. So let's uh, give Hunter a call and see if he is ready to talk some soccer. Um, actually before i do that i'm gonna pause this real quick okay i think we should be good now so let's try to give hunter a call see if he's ready to talk some soccer for us. Big swaggy. Dude, Hunter, what's going on, brother? How's it going, bro? I am good. How are you? Dude, I'm doing great, man. Awesome. Can you uh hear me okay? I just want to double check before we get going here. Oh yeah. I can hear you great. Actually, let me switch over to, to a different um headset real quick because I just got that airpods battery dying mm. sound in my ears we don't like that um yeah so i'm gonna switch real quick so i'm sorry if that nope, creates a w weird disturbance in the audio already can you hear me i can sweet all right i should be should be all situated Awesome. So we are, uh, we are live here on YouTube recording, uh, the episode and then obviously the audio will be going out tomorrow. But, um, I was just saying, uh, you're a, uh, our resident soccer expert here on the show. Yeah. Um, so 
Super League, man. Um, why don't before we kind of get into the uh, into the weeds with it, for those who may not know, can you give us a quick rundown of what exactly the Super League is? Sure. Uh, so essentially, um, the biggest teams in the world, uh, and by biggest I mean the richest teams, mm. um, which is an important factor all got together and decided, you know what? We don't kind of want to be accountable for our performances. We want guaranteed money, um, which is a very, you know, um, Americanized way of viewing a sports team. Uh, And that's kind of a common thread of some of these is uh, a handful of these are American owners, um, some of which own American franchises um, in baseball and football so uh so yeah essentially um there's a current european competition called the champions league where essentially a lot of the best teams get together and uh if you finish at a certain position in your league you qualify for it Mm -hmm. and they get together and it's this big thing it's kind of been revamped over the years it used to be called the european cup um but essentially it's the super long running uh you know, competition, um, amongst, you know, the best of the best from each country, whether that is England or Spain or Germany or Bulgaria or (laughs) Slovenia or Ukraine, you know, so that's the beauty of it. Like you get the, the big wigs, like, you know, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and, uh, Manchester United, but you also get like uh, Red Star Belgrade (laughs) and like Shakhtar Donetsk. And these kinds of things. And that's sort of the beauty of the competition. Um, I guess if I, if I could compare, could compare it to one American uh, sports kind of thing, it's kind of like March madness where it's like, you know, there's, there's inherent value in the minnows of it. Like that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, no one's going into that really thinking like, Oh, this 15 or 16 seed is going to, win all of March madness, but the beauty is like an upset can happen. There can be an amazing performance that's remembered forever. And it's just steeped in history. And so, um, that's sort of, uh, you know, the best American comparison to this, Hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, champions league. So essentially the super league is like the richest slash most successful teams um, which there's like a correlation there, but mm-hmm. not necessarily directly. Um, we're just like, you know what? We think a lot of people uh, will will watch and want to watch every year the top teams, Barcelona, uh, PSG, uh, Liverpool, Bayern Munich. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. They're like, fans will want to see... Um, you know, all these play each other every year, like multiple, you know, multiple games a year. Um, and it would be a big cash cow and you couldn't get, uh, you didn't have to qualify for it. You just like are accepted into it. Um, there's, I think it was 400 billion euros or pounds, uh, guaranteed. Um, so, um, you can see from a quote unquote owner standpoint, they're like, uh, yeah, especially after, you know, or we're still in the middle of COVID empty stadiums and around, you know, all sports leagues. Yep. Um, so they were like, Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get, let's get some money guaranteed. 
Um, what they didn't consider the owners is literally everybody that works <laughs> for uh, for and with the club. So yeah. like uh, employees, uh, you know, staff, the managers, yeah. the players. <laughs> nobody was informed about this, um, and they just dropped this bomb two days ago. Like, yeah, we're gonna leave, uh, and and good luck everyone else. Um, and, and so that did not fly very well. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think it, it was just so out of the blue, which as, you know, sports fans, um, and, you know, for you more specifically as a soccer fan, even as invested as we both are kind of in the sports world, uh, I don't think anyone saw this coming. It was a complete out of left field announcement. But then, like you were saying, this the second level of it, of not even like staff or like the players themselves knowing mm-hmm. this was happening, just I feel like is so almost apropos to like the Super League and like its concept to begin with. Um mm-hmm. Of just like, yeah, I think I think that one of the big things that, uh, you know, I think keeps getting hit on that can never be, you know, overemphasized is that this really just felt like a cash grab by the owners of these teams because it was guaranteed money um, mm-hmm. and that was all they considered. That was all they thought about. I mean, the fact that this would not only be a league that's in direct contention with the leagues that these teams would be leaving, you know, be it yes. La Liga or uh, Premier League um, or uh, Bundesliga, you know, whatever. Um, right. Not only would it be in direct contention with that, but then like you mentioned, also the Champions League of like, that's essentially mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> and now right. you're just saying like, hey, we're going to do that. But uh, instead of qualifying, it's just either have a lot of money or be mm-hmm. invite uh, yes. only. Um, it, it's just a wild concept to me, and it just it has it has such a an elitist feel to it, and yes. it just felt so dirty. Um, yeah, and I think like you kind of mentioned, um, but why don't you talk about a little bit more? As I'm sure you've been aware of, what exactly were not only the fans' response to this, but also kind of the the players uh, and, and the soccer clubs themselves? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I did want to uh, clarify that the original intent of the Super League was uh, for these teams to essentially get rid of the Champions League. And they thought, hey, our normal domestic leagues will be cool with us doing this. And the domestic leagues were like, um, hell no. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're going to do that, you're out. And so right. that, was, that was one of the first major dominoes to fall. They were mm. like, oh, crap, this, uh, you know, wait, wait, we can't compete in our league or we might get relegated four leagues down or whatever the minimum is for like a mass exodus of yep of the the league system um so just another yeah, thing they original, didn't consider <laughs> exactly so they so it, you were right in saying they would be leaving their respective countries but that actually wasn't the intent mm, they okay. were just so it was one a level of just blind ignorance by wow uh the 12 uh you know owners and chairmen of these uh rich clubs um 
but yeah, in, in regards to your question that you just asked them, and I, and I can definitely say this from uh, a Liverpool standpoint because I yeah. am a Liverpool supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it it caught everybody off guard. Um, not it, it was honestly amazing to see um, how every all supporters across um, you know rivalries and uh, things like that coming together to to kind of achieve this common goal mm. um, to to call out these you know, call out the greed mm-hmm. of these, uh, you know, million and, and in a lot of cases, billionaires, uh, John W. Henry, who, uh, owns FSG, who of course owned the Red Boston Red Sox, yep. um, owned Liverpool and, uh, John Henry's a billionaire. Um, so, you know, it, it caught everybody off guard. Um, and it put, it put a lot of unnecessary pressure on the manager and players, Mm-hmm. Um, Man- Manchester United, who's one of the teams, uh, that were going to go through with the super league. Um, they announced that they dropped all the super league stuff while Manchester United were playing a league game, oh uh, like during a match. Uh, so like they, they like walk off the pitch for the post-match, you know, interviews. And then all of a sudden they're asked about this and it's like, what <laughs> kind of thing? Um, and then Liverpool played the next day. Um, which might have even been worse because then they've yeah. learned about it. It's like you can't even be like blindly shocked by it. You have to come up with answers. But they, as we've learned, uh, they weren't prompted or anything uh, by the owners or yeah. or anything. So essentially, they were like got this bomb dropped on them, and then they're <laughs> essentially pushed them out in front of a camera to speak on behalf of them yeah. for something they don't even like understand let alone can even form an opinion whether it's okay or not um so yeah that it was like a a nightmare scenario um the there was a lot of players that spoke out um you know uh bruno fernandez uh was one of the first ones uh you know on instagram to post something he plays for manchester united Mm -hmm. um james james milner who was the captain of liverpool um, during that match uh, that they played uh, during the post-match interview, uh, pretty dis- clearly and distinctly said this isn't okay. Mm. Um, and then there was a you know trickling down of a lot of players, Kevin De Bruyne from Manchester City, these people who pull a lot of weight. And then um, yesterday, all the Liverpool players got together and uh, posted posted a, a graphic on all their Instagram pages uh, denouncing it, saying. Uh, we don't like this and we don't want this. And we, you know, we play for the fans and supporters uh, and not essentially for corporations right. and corporate goals. Uh, so that was, it was really cool to see kind of the unanimous response. Um, and rightfully so, you know, this mm. is, you know, I think it's even easy for Americans to understand, but there's even a certain amount that it's hard because we are used to like growing up with American, like even the word franchises, uh, you know, when we talk about sports teams, it's like, it's so different in, in Europe. Like this isn't a franchise, it's a club. It was formed by, you know, like working class people, uh, you know, the closest thing I can compare it to, I'm trying to, you know, draw lines with American sports is like a bunch of green Bay Packers, you know, (laughs) sure. Yeah. Uh, like it just kind of is this like grassroots thing, yep. you know, like the Packers were, were, were members of the Acme packing company and grew into this big thing. 
and it's it, it's run by the the fans and the supporters. Yeah. Um, and now just imagine if if a billionaire walked in and bought the Packers and started acting completely out of their own interests uh, and not you know the team's interests like. I don't know, right. like moving them to a different city or something, yeah, yeah. which is something that Stan uh, Kroenke has done with the Rams, uh, who also owns Arsenal Football Club, who mm. uh, were a part of this um, Super League. So, you know, I think you can see why these sort of Americanisms uh, running through and uh, rightfully so, you know, a lot of these European, especially uh, the English fans, really, really uh, justifiably had a had a huge problem with it. And so, yeah, I mean, Jurgen Klopp, uh, Liverpool's manager, spoke out uh, against it. You could tell he was, like, in his interview, he was trying to tiptoe around, you know, like he didn't want to get fired. But right. it, was pretty it was pretty clear that uh, he was like, yeah, this isn't okay. And Pep Guardiola from uh, Manchester City, he was very clear with mm. it. He, he started off his press conference saying, uh, I'm happy to give my honest opinion on on this. So feel free to ask, nice. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a very straightforward, uh, and, uh, decisive response by all people, um, from the supporters to, uh, the players, to the managers, um, all the way up to the, the footsteps of these, uh, you know, greedy owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I, I think, um, you know, one thing you mentioned a little bit was just how little they really thought out uh, past like, hey, let's just like form this league that's going to kind of replace Champions League mm -hmm. um, and like everything else will just like a fall place. It'll be good to go. And then like you mentioned, a lot of the uh, domestic clubs were like, hey, not OK. Like you're not welcome if you do that. Um, right. I, if, if I remember correctly, I believe that. I think it was UEFA, maybe been FIFA. I don't know whoever the governing board was. I think they actually had said that there would be like some sort of like ban or suspension for players who 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 went to the Super League that would affect like the World Cup. Uh, am I making yes. that up or did I hear that? No, they definitely uh, threatened that. They because FIFA, you know, oversees everything, mm -hmm. and there's a lot. I mean, we could have a whole other conversation about. <laughs> Uh, you know, how terrible FIFA is as an organization. And yeah. the fact that they, they've they been trying to boost their PR out of this is honestly equally as despicable. Sure. Um, but th that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they said, essentially, uh, since we run all, all of soccer <laughs> in the world, um, yeah, uh, like you're not allowed to play for your country. Uh, so the likes of, you know, uh, I'm trying to, you know, Mo Salah for Egypt. I mean, he is he is an absolute icon to mm -hmm. not only, you know, Egypt, but the Arab world. Mm -hmm. um, and the likes of Lionel Messi, you know, and uh, play for Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal. You know, it, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and so that was a threat, you know, it, fortunately we never had to see if that was actually attainable. Like I had the thought, like, can that hold up in the court of law? You know? Right. Right. I, yeah. Like, uh, I believe it's a CAS kind of governs all of the mm. kind of Europeans. They're kind of the court system for like European sports. 
So I don't know if that would have held up, especially considering Manchester City was one of these uh, 12 teams and they just kind of had a, a crazy rise uh, due to, you know, cash injection from uh, the state of Qatar. Like it's, it's mm. an actual just like oil state that has funded them. <laughs> Uh, practically illegally, but they've had <laughs> such such could be they have s- such an infinite amount of money to pay off, and such like literally the best lawyers in the world that they anytime FIFA has ever challenged them on anything, uh, <laughs> FIFA's lost. So I was yeah. thinking, I don't think this is going to work because I think, you know, Manchester City are going to whip yeah. out their big big wig uh, <laughs> lawyers that always win and win. And, and in this case, it seems like in my my mind it made more plausible sense that it's like, I don't know if they could do that, you know? Um, You know, even though FIFA ultimately does oversee everything. Um, But yeah, so that was definitely a threat. And fortunately we didn't have to see that um, come to fruition, but um, there, there could very well still be consequences um, for these teams that have, you know, even withdrawn technically not, not all of them have withdrawn yet. They believe, um, Real Madrid, um, who uh, Perez, their uh, president, I believe, uh, is kind of the mastermind behind this whole thing. And he's just very stubbornly, sure, you know, like he went on air uh, the night it was released and just had like the most horrific interview, uh, like the most damning. It was probably the worst thing that for the Super League that could have ever happened because he, he was pretty much like saying like, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking, you know, essentially we're looking into like gaining, we're competing with like Fortnite and not, uh, not like other soccer leagues. Like he like legitimately oh made that comparison. Um, and it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm sure, I'm sure even these other 11 owners or, uh, you know, chairman or whatever, um, were watching that and, you know, they already, as we can tell, didn't have a single ounce of wherewithal and even they were yeah. probably like, Oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? And he yeah. was the ringleader of the whole thing. So they're technically still in it along with Juventus, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I do think today Juventus put out a statement that was like, uh, it pretty much, they said they were withdrawing, but they were pretty much in a way that was like, we're still right about this. But oh, it can't, God. Like, like we can't, it's just like, there's only three teams left. Like this isn't, it's like two of them. One of them was, uh, it was them and Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the only reason why Barcelona are still in it technically is their uh, their like governing body had still yet to vote on it, which everyone is like, yeah, they would never vote yes to this. So that's technically the only reason why they haven't left because they were leaving it to a vote. Um, so it would only be Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus, so two Spanish teams and one <laughs> Italian team. And it's like, you know, this isn't a super league anymore. These are just three teams, yeah. two of which play each other twice a year to begin with. Right. Um, so yeah, there's still like, those guys are kind of, you know, going down with the sinking ship. It feels like, and uh, it's kind of been really ominous in, in that way. They've kind of, some of them have hinted like this isn't over yet kind of thing. Like it's kind of like, you know, when the bad guy gets defeated and he's like, you'll be seeing me again yeah. kind of thing and, and runs off. And it's like, <laughs> You know, he's going to come back with a different plan, but he's plotting. And so that's what it seems like. Um, And whether uh, the owners of those other teams like Liverpool and Manchester United and uh, so on and so forth, um, you know, willingly participate in something like that ever again in the future. 
then uh, that would, I mean, if their reputation isn't already like as shriveled as it could possibly be, yeah. I mean, that would probably incite riots. Um, but yeah, so it seems like it's, it's, it's uh, kind of dead and buried for now, like I said, but he, all of a sudden UEFA drops these new Champions League reforms in which they're, they proposed that like some teams could get in just based off their history. And it's like, really? wait, isn't that the, isn't that the exact thing that like we're protesting? Oh no. Like, like, if, like if you don't, if you can't qualify for the competition, you don't deserve to be in it. Like that's the beauty of the thing. Like yeah. it, 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 to use the March madness comparison, it'd be like if Duke had a terrible year and then all of a sudden Which they March did. madness is, yeah. <laughs> but like a really bad year, let's sure. say like, like in such a way that they couldn't ever make the competition. Yeah. And then the NCAA is like, ah, but Duke, you know, they've been in it, you know, they're such a big name. We'll throw them in, you know, like yeah, and everyone would be like, everyone would be like, what? Yeah. You know, like that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, you can't, do um, that. yeah, the whole thing is nuts. I think they, they dropped that. And then, like, I, if I remember correctly, I think they've already walked back on it. But it just goes oh, wow. to show there, there was all this stuff from every, from everyone in FIFA and UEFA all the way up to, like, the, Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, who's not, not liked very much, I don't think. <laughs> uh, you know, like, it's in it, all these other, the, the 14 other Premier League clubs are like, we're so against this, when really, like, it, it's all about like who is and isn't getting the money. Mm. Like a, a, everyone is joking themselves. If, if, if one, one of the 14 remaining premier league teams were invited to this and it was going through, I think they would jump in in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, not, af- not after this backlash, but if right. they were initially in- invited, it would, they would just be another one of the teams. Um, so I think it's important that, uh, you know, people know that, you know, just because this, Super League thing seems like it's done and dusted at least for a while or in this form, you know, the alternative is, is like crap. So, um, but it still technically has a little, a shred of integrity still. And even when they tried to really, yeah, somehow. Um, and even when they tried to, you know, release that it, it, it instantly got such, you know, backlash that they're like, uh, yeah, we won't do that. So it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a mess. It's been an absolute roller coaster uh this past 48 or 72 hours now or whatever yeah um that's another thing i kind of wanted to to touch on um just the fact that so it was sunday that this was announced that the super league Uh was so it came out sunday Uh it's now wednesday night and as we've kind of touched on it's all but dead at this point Mm -hmm. um yeah and it was just such, like you just said, such a roller coaster of, you know, again, it gets announced with no one really being in the know at all. It like immediately receives backlash. And then something that you kind of were just touching on that I do want to make sure people understand is that, you know, there were 12 clubs who were confirmed to be a part of it. And I believe their goal was to uh, get it up to 20. Um, yes. Yep. And so they had 12, you know, founding, I guess you could say clubs. Yeah. That's what they called themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then all this backlash, you know, from fans banding together, players, like you said, banding together, managers, pretty much everyone except for the owners themselves being against this. And then 
I, I don't know when it was. I don't know if you may have a, a general idea, but then pretty immediately, um, like we mentioned, clubs just started dropping out and backing out of the mm-hmm. the league. Um, do you know when the first one was that happened? Yes, I think it was earlier uh, yesterday. Okay, um, which just goes to show how quickly this whole thing has absolutely disintegrated. I mean, that's yeah, forty eight um, hours. So two of the uh, Premier League teams that were involved, um, I already talked about Manchester City and the fact that they're like supported by, uh, you know, one of the richest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they don't, they didn't need financial backing. <laughs> like they are the most stable. Mm. Uh, they have the most stable, like as long as oil like doesn't <laughs> plummet, like they are safe. Uh, and so that's Manchester City. And then Chelsea is owned by a Russian oligarch named Ro- uh, Roman Abramovich. Mm. Um, and he's also, if I remember correctly, got his money through oil as well. But, uh, you know, wh- whatever whatever the methods, these those two teams didn't need the financial backing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of because they were kind of given an ultimatum like join, you know, join or like like join now or you're never going to be in. Yeah. And so they were like, all right, I guess we'll join kind of thing. Uh, but then they realized like there was such a massive backlash and they're like, we don't even need like this money. Like we literally have like as practically an endless amount of supplies, money of money as like any human or club could ever possibly imagine. Mm. So they were like, yeah, we're out. And, so Chelsea played a match yesterday at home and there was the, these massive uh, protests. Um, and I think they were like, yeah, this isn't a good idea and we don't need it. And this will to be kind of the first team to back out. Mm. will be, you know, perhaps save our skins a little bit. So them and Man City kind of right around the same time of, as each other kind of were like, yeah, maybe this isn't a good idea. Um, yeah, like I said, especially considering finances aren't an issue for them and it wasn't, they weren't like one of the masterminds behind it. They were kind of invited and they were like, Mm -hmm. all right, we're in. Um, but, uh, and yeah, I think another huge failing that, you know, uh, some people talk about, I was about to say, no one talks about it has been talked about is that they didn't get the likes of Bayern Munich or, Mm -hmm. uh, Paris Saint Germain or, uh, or uh, Borussia Dortmund, I believe, another German, yeah. another you know, pretty famous German club. Um, those are, I mean, no German clubs and no French clubs. All of a sudden, it's like, is this a super league, like a European super league? Because yeah. um, again, it was only, I think, at that time, um, English teams, Spanish teams, Italian teams, and I think, I think there might have been one or two Portuguese teams. But it's like that's like four countries. Yeah, like you can't call super. yourself. Yeah. And so I think they were banking on kind of in the same way that they kind of pressured um, Man City and Chelsea. You know, I think they thought, you know, PSG and Bayern will, uh, you know, they'll, you know, will will gamble that they'll they'll hop in. And PSG is very similar to Man City. They're backed by another oil nation. I don't remember which one hmm. uh, but but yeah they're similar to city in that way that they just don't need the funds and in germany so this will this is kind of a good segue to kind of another 
important topic, kind of the aftermath of it, is in Germany they have this 50 plus one rule, they call it, where essentially like an owner of, of a club can only have 49% of like the power over the club. Mm. And the 50 plus one is like, um, I don't, I can't remember exactly how it's delegated, but it's kind of to the people. Like it's to people that are voted in and supporters and those kinds of things for this exact reason. So you can't have like, you can't have a super rich billionaire just walk up and say, throw a bunch of cash at you and then use it for their own self-interest. And like I said, for as much as I've slated uh, John Henry, you know, who owns Liverpool, which is the club I support, uh, the Glazer family owns Manchester United, and they've literally just used them to pile debt uh, yeah. onto them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've used them just literally to, uh, as as just like a stepping stone for their own debt. Yep. Um, so they're, they're, you know, I think they're even the next string down in hell kind of thing. <laughs> Um, and so it's this exact thing in Germany. This is the exact reason why Mm. is they were like, you know, you don't want people walking up, you know, throwing hundreds of millions of euros or pounds, you know, at you and, and then just using it for their own financial gain. Um, so, uh, so that's been a huge talking point recently, um, amongst English fans, at least, um, that they, they want these reforms and, like I said, Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, has kind of said that he would look into it, but uh, I have a feeling that's kind of PR, but we'll yeah. see. Um, I'll, I'd be happy if he did it, but I'm not counting on it. But um, but yeah, so it'll be an interesting like development in, in the future, the next coming weeks or months, to see if there is any sort of meaningful development in that way, because it is it has been a major, major problem especially in England, um, as the, the amount of power shifts more and more to the top, Mm. uh, the more money you have. Um, so yeah, that'll just be very interesting to see. Yeah. So I I guess to kind of wrap, start wrapping this segment up, um, what would you say in, in your opinion what do you think are the lasting impacts of this uh, failed, you know, new league? How how does this affect uh, the larger soccer realm? <laughs> yeah, well, I think in in a very depressing way, it might have been one of the best things that's happened in a long time to mm. uh, to European soccer. Is this big bubble burst to this kind of wake up call that uh that this bubble has been building and building and building the more and more money the tv deals these rich owners i mean literally supported by an entire country um it's been building and building and building and make no mistake about it uh fifa and uefa and the fa which runs all of the english league have allowed this to happen over Mm. the years a lot of which out of bribery and and things like that. So I think there's equally as much blood on their hands, but it's hopefully this big bubble has burst to say like, no, the supporters, this is, this is the, about the supporters. And this isn't about, uh, yeah. you know, your ventures with, with our <laughs> club. This, um, and so hopefully it's, I think it's been a massive wake up call and, you know, some, some owner, John Henry came out with a, uh, apology video, 
this morning, um, which I think was the bare minimum. Yeah, I but saw that. Uh, a good start. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he can be trusted. Just as a Liverpool supporter, uh, you know, this is FSG has a history of doing this with us, not to this scale. This is a grandiose thing, but they have this history of doing really sketchy, dodgy things. Uh, and then the fans speak up and like, you can't do that. And they're like, okay, sorry, we won't. Right. Right. And it's like, uh, it's like, at what point are they, do they actually care? Like it's this weird like thing that I'm always juggling where it's like, I mean, they are like, like they are listening to a certain extent. Like when they try to do something they and they get backlash, they'll pull out of it. And they have provided a lot for, you know, I'm speaking just, you know, for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, can they ever, I don't think they can be trusted again. And I, it, uh, yeah. my broader point is I don't think these owners can, can ever be trusted of these, um, of the 12 teams. Um, I think they have like overstepped a boundary that um, just, just they never should have. And it just goes to show it's one of two things uh, with these owners and, and presidents and, uh, chairman, it, either they were so okay with doing this without asking anyone or getting anyone's <laughs> input, uh, or they are just so willfully ignorant yeah. to the way their club and the greater football scheme of Europe works. Either of those is horrible. Yeah, they're both uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, they're both equally as bad, just in different ways. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully a bubble has burst. And like I said, there could be reforms on the way. I mean, like the mm. in another difference with kind of the UK and the US is there's like government. Uh, the government is kind of tied into uh, the the way like sports runs, so they can pass laws to you know stop things and and change the rules like through British law. Mm. You know, like it's you know you wouldn't see that in America. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but so a lot of people are calling on, on the government to make reforms, but hopefully, you know, in the, you know, in the same way that like sometimes in a lot of different tragic things happen, like you wish they never happened, but they could, you know, they begin to like open a lot of people's eyes. Like we're, you know, we're talking about this on like an American sports podcast (laughs) and like, um, and you know, I see it like I I've had people come up to me who like, don't, know anything about soccer or even care. Yeah. And I've had people come up to me and be like, what's the deal with that super league thing? So like yeah. that, like even reaching to the like insides of the deepest nooks and crannies of America is like, goes to show how monumental this thing is. Um, so ultimately it's a win uh, for the people. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's, like I said, the, the president or the owner of Juventus, um, you know, <laughs> like I said, is like, this we're still essentially all but said we're still right. It literally cannot exist because there's only three clubs left. Uh, so, Oof. you know, we'll see, we'll see if the apologies mean anything. Yeah. Um, and you know, football supporters are becoming and growing more and more cynical. Um, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, uh, as a result of this. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, informative, and, and helpful as always. Um, Hunter, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here and to give us all a little insight into the soccer world and into the Super League. 
Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. It feels good to, uh, to rant a bit about it. And I'm glad that, you know, I can say, you know, we're, we're hopefully on the other side of things. It has been a roller coaster of a 48, 48 <laughs> hours, especially for me as a Liverpool supporter. Yeah. I you know, I watched, I, I watched that, I watched that game, uh, Liverpool versus Leeds and Liverpool scored, uh, and I felt nothing. And, <laughs> and then, uh, Leeds had a, a late equalizer and I felt nothing. Oof. Uh, it, it was truly horrific to watch. Yeah. And I was saying, I'm only watching this for the players and Jurgen Klopp, the manager, like, uh, and I still, it's just like, I couldn't get past it. So all that being said, glad it seems to be over. And of yes. course, more and more stuff will break. So, uh, you know, if you ever, if you ever need to get a hold of me, you know where to find me. Yeah. I was going to say, we may be doing this again, maybe relatively soon because <laughs> there at this point, who knows where this could lead. It could take one of about a million turns. (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. Later, buddy. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Hunter Glotz, good friend of the show, and uh, happy to have him on here to talk some Super League with us. So um, to kind of wrap up the show here, we are... uh, Introducing a new segment, um, which I, I, I'm not going to go ahead and s- say right now. I don't think it's going to be a weekly uh, segment, but I do want to try to kind of work it in a little bit more into the episodes. Um, and I called it The Feed. Um, very catchy, um, modern, fun, grabby name for a segment. Um, and it's essentially uh, just... I'm very active on Twitter um, with this account, Sports Talk or SCWS Casts, by the way. Go give us a follow. Um, I'm very active on there. Um, I love uh, in- interacting um, and having discussions on there about different things. I mean, you know, typically it's going to be basketball and wrestling. Um, and so I kind of took some, um, some screen grabs of some tweets that I found. Um, noteworthy that I ended up responding to because I found it, um, you know, interesting, uh, just to kind of give, to have them as their own kind of little talking points that, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on, but I want to hit them because they're kind of, um, hot topics, I guess you could say. So we're going to start off this week with a, uh, a wrestling one. Um, and this is kind of on the topic of the recent releases that the WWE did last week where they cut, I believe, 10 different superstars, um, one of them being Mickey James. And so this tweet comes from at Heel Bay Bay, and it says, WWE fires Mickey James as they claim she's, quote unquote, too old. Also WWE, and then it has a picture of Goldberg with the universal title uh, last year, Goldberg with the universal title four years ago, and then Goldberg versus Undertaker uh, in that Saudi match they had that was awful. Um, and so essentially the tweet calling out WWE, so they released Mickey James as a part of that kind of spring cleaning last week. Um, and apparently uh, the, the reason that they cut her uh, was because she was too old. Um, and she, uh, right now as of recording is 41 years old. Um, and so then I responded, uh, with, and I kind of want to hit on this, uh, so she's 41. And so keep that in mind. Um, 
when I tell you that Lashley, who's their current WWE champion, is 44. Shinsuke Nakamura is 41. AJ Styles, who's a tag team champion, is 43. Brock Lesnar, who's a consistent main eventer, is 43. Randy Orton is 41. Bobby Fish is 44. John Morrison is 41. Rey Mysterio is 46. Sheamus is 43. Edge, who just fought for the Universal Championship in the main event of WrestleMania, is 47. Bobby Roode, who's a tag team champion, is 43. R-Truth, who is a consistent 24-7 champion, is 49. Uh, Jeff Hardy is 43. Shelton Benjamin, who is a recent tag team champion, is 45. And Tamina, who we just saw fighting for the Women's Tag Team Championships, is 43. So... Um, I'm calling BS on WWE uh, because that's a that's already a ridiculous reason to cut her. Um, being Mickey James, um, because being too old is just such a bad excuse for the WWE to make when they're consistently wanting to bring back older talent, um, uh, and, and kind of forcing them down our throats and forcing them into the main events. Um, and you know. The other side of that is people are going to say, oh, because they have draw and name power like, you know, Undertaker, Goldberg, uh, Brock Lesnar, like they all like are big names within, you know, their household names within wrestling. And then to that point, I would argue so is Mickey James. She is considered one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time. Um, she's incredibly talented. She's 41, sure, but she's in great shape. She's still immensely talented and skilled and she still has a lot to offer. Um, and I think she'd be great in a role that we've kind of seen Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton taking recently, which is a little bit of a more part-time schedule, um, and used a lot more to kind of put over younger talent and work with them, uh, let the younger talent glean information from them, um, and, and advice from them, um, and put them over because Mickey James, like I said, is a draw in and of herself. Um, she's, I think one of the most recognizable you know, women's wrestling names within the WWE and outside of it. Um, so I just think it's a little ridiculous. Uh, and I think that the real reason is not because of her age, but it's in fact, uh, I think there's some backstage, you know, issues, beef, whatever, between, you know, writers or producers and her husband who doesn't work for the WWE, which regardless, it's just ridiculous. Um, it's a shame that they cut her, but, you know, it's, you know, nothing bad for her because she hasn't been used on TV in almost a year, I think. And at this point now, wherever she goes, she is definitely going to be used regularly and she's going to be, uh, be able to, to do what she loves and actually, uh, perform Which so, you know, it, it's, it's good for her. It's unfortunate that she's not in the WWE anymore and can't work with those people, but you know, again, not her loss. Um, so that was one, uh, the next one, uh, switching gears is rest, uh, excuse me, basketball. And this one <clears throat> is uh, coming to at us, coming to us from at top ball coverage who um, are, are great. Give them, definitely give them a follow. Um, they're great for, for NBA content. Um, and they say, let's just give Julius Randall most improved player already. Here are his 2020 versus 2021 stats. So points per game went from 19.5 to 23.7. Rebounds per game 
9.7 to 10.5. Assists per game, 3.1 to 6.1. Field goal percentage stayed the same at 46%. Three-point percentage went from 27.7 to 40.5. And free-throw percentage went from 73.3 to 80. So fast improvements in pretty much all numbers except for field goal percentage, which has remained the same at 46, which is still not great, but it's not bad. Um, And right there is already a great case, along with the Knicks being the fourth seed in the East, um, having a winning record, they're on a six or seven game win streak, which hasn't happened in literally, I think, decades. Um, and they're the best they've looked uh, since like the 90s with Starks and Ewing making their finals runs. Um, and so uh, I responded with a few more um, statistics of note that, again, are more near and dear to my heart because they're advanced statistics. Um, so we have his VORP, which stands for value over replacement, um, which has gone from 0.9 to 3.2, which is a huge jump. Um, his BPM, which is box plus minus, um, which is another advanced statistic that kind of looks at all of their box score statistics, puts them all together, and gives you a, a plus minus for that. Uh, so basically of how effective um, they are in the court. And it went from negative 0.3, being that basically the Knicks were worse last year when he was on the court, to being 4.0. Now, 4.0 is a relatively average BPM. It's a little high. Um, once you get closer to 10 is when it's like really insane. Like 8 is like LeBron James level, and 10 is close to like, you know, Giannis MVP level. Um, so going from negative 0.3 to 4.0, another huge jump. Win shares going from 2.7 to 6.3 this year. And then assist percentage going from 15.8 to 27.7, uh, another huge jump. So all that to say, I totally agree. Um, I think that Julius Randle is definitely the consensus most improved player this year in the NBA. Uh, I think it's well-deserved for him. He's gotten a lot of hate in his career. Um, you know, starting off in LA and not panning out immediately, um, coming out of Kentucky as a, a, a top draft pick, um, getting traded to New Orleans, um, and definitely starting to come into his own a little bit at that point, um, but still not able to really make much uh, effect on the court. And, you know, now in his second year with the Knicks, really finding his own and is leading this team to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I I just love to see it. So definitely a strong case for Julius Randle for most improved player. And then finally, um, just to kind of, I guess, it kind of circles back to the first one we were talking about. Um, again, like I mentioned, the WWE uh, on April 15th um, released um, a bunch of superstars. And I actually have the list here. So... Uh, Samoa Joe, Mickey James, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Chelsea Green, Wesley Blake, Tucker, Kalisto, Bo Dallas, and Mojo Raleigh were all released from the WWE. Now, some of those, I'm not going to say any of them were expected because this is never something you should expect and it sucks. And I know that it's just the business side of it's a company, not a family. And so they need to do things like this. But I'll get to it in a second why that's not true for the WWE. But for instance, 
As much as I love Mickey James, we haven't seen her on TV in a year. Chelsea Green has been injured, um, and she's kind of proven to be a little injury prone. Wesley Blake hasn't been on TV in well over a year. Um, Tucker, Kalisto, well, not so much Kalisto, but Tucker, Bo Dallas, again, guys we haven't seen. Bo Dallas, I think we haven't seen in almost two years on TV. Um, And so you can't be shocked that they were surprised because they were just not getting used at all. Um, But the reason I say it doesn't make sense for WWE um, is what brings us to this feed. Um, So this tweet comes to us from FansidedDDT on Twitter. Another good wrestling um, account that you should follow on Twitter. So they say, the reasoning for these releases apparently is quote-unquote budget cuts. Uh, which is hard to sell when WWE is raking in record profits and just signed a massive streaming deal with Peacock, which, by the way, was valued at over $1 billion. Billion with a B. But folks are supposed to believe WWE is struggling to, to get by. This was the same BS they pulled last year. Now, as you remember, last year, and unfortunately, on the exact same day last year, April 15th, 2020, was when they made massive cuts when they released the likes of Kurt Angle, um, uh, uh, Zach Ryder, um, Kurt Hawkins, um, Rusev, uh, people like that. Um, uh, it was another big round of cuts, um, that, you know, was cited for budget cuts and, you know, essentially we can't afford to have you here anymore, but it just doesn't make sense. Um, when again, WWE is literally, they're bringing in record profits and, they can't even try to hide it because they're a publicly owned and traded company. They are on the stock market. Uh, and we, so their, their, their profits and their, uh, their numbers are public information and public knowledge. And so we are able to see that, yes, they are literally bringing in record profits. They're, they've never made more money than they are making now. And they also just signed you know, like they said, about two months ago, they signed a billion dollar deal with Peacock to have in the US all their streaming content on Peacock instead of their own network. Um, a few years ago, they signed a multi billion dollar deal with Fox to put, you know, which is why Smack, SmackDown is on Fox now. And they re signed with USA, which was another almost billion dollar deal. So, it's just, it's not a real reason. It, it's baloney. It's just, and it sucks to see them give that BS reasoning. Um, and it sucks to see these people uh, get released. Again, as was the case with Mickey James, I'll say with all these people, they are immensely talented. They're going to land on their feet. And I do truly believe every single one of them uh, will have their chance to shine a- in a different company. And it will not take long after their uh, 90 day, no compete clauses, um, are up and they're able to sign. I think they will all be picked up right away. Um, and and one I did want to point out here just real quick to wrap up, uh, was at the top of the list, Samoa Joe, which I think was by far the biggest shock, uh, to see him released. Um, immensely talented, truly one of the greatest performers of this generation. Um, a legend in both TNA and Ring of Honor, um, had a great run in NXT. Um, it's a shame he never got a main event title run in the WWE. He really deserved uh, to be WWE champion at some point. Um, 
you know, never say never. We could see him come back a few years down the line and, and get a chance that he's owed, um, similar to to Bobby Lashley, where he is right now. Um, but yeah, just a real shame to see him go. I think a lot of speculation is that he was he's been out for over a year, uh, almost a year, I think. No, over a year at this point. Um, with uh, injuries um, and health issues keeping him out. And I believe um, allegedly he was wanting to get back in the ring, but he had n- he was not getting cleared uh, by the WWE medical teams. So I believe that may have led to him being cut, um, and they may have actually worked something out where he was um, released uh, kind of uh, cooperatively, um, and they came to that mutual agreement. Um, Time will tell, but at the end of the day, um, it's a bummer for me as a w- someone who only has the time to really watch WWE. I won't be able to see these people much anymore um, for the time being, but um, like I said, they will all land on their feet. They're all immensely talented, um, and so I, uh, you know, I think they will all be just fine. Um, but with that being said, um, that, that's going to wrap up the feed. Hope you enjoyed that new segment. Again, like I said, I'm going to try to bring it out every once in a while just to kind of hit some quick hits of uh, hot topics um, and current events in the sports world. Um, I want to thank Hunter once again for coming on uh, and talking some Super League soccer with us. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I always enjoy having him on the show. Um, Let me know if you want me to have him back on at some point. Um, I would love to have him back. or if you have any other topics you want to be covered, uh, send an email to sportstalkerswag at gmail.com. Um, I'm always happy to take suggestions. And uh, just quick plug, make sure you're following on social media. STWScast is the Twitter where I am most active. Uh, Instagram and Facebook pages are both Sports Talk with Swag. Um, the YouTube channel is Sports Talk with Swag. Make sure you subscribe there so you can um, watch these videos. Uh, episodes live with video uh it's totally free uh, and takes about five seconds to do um i would appreciate you checking that out um you can listen to this podcast anywhere you get um podcasts Uh, i prefer spotify but do what you want um leave us a five-star rating anywhere you can or we will banish you to the super league um and with all of that being said i do want to thank you all for checking out the podcast and listening and or watching And uh, we will see you in the next episode. Peace. It's Sports Talk with Swag.